This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, the virtual private network which allows fans to watch football games, films and TV shows that aren't available in your region. It even saves on travel costs, so if you're planning on travelling with the family or to watch the Amazon Europe, NordVPN allows you to purchase flights and hotels from different locations across the world and that will save you a few quid. Maybe you're a bit of a shady character, and whatever you're up to, you want to give yourself the best possible chance of not getting caught. Whatever the scenario, NordVPN provide high-level protection for your data and personal information wherever you are in the world, and boast the fastest virtual private network in the world, so no buffering and no lagging. So for less than a pint or a cup of coffee per month, you fans can watch all the games you want live from the comfort of your own sofa. Visit nordvpn.com forward slash West Way to get your exclusive discount plus four months free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com forward slash West Way. You're listening to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. While still floating on cloud nine, X has a chat with Thomas Suchek before presenting and discussing the categories for the official, unofficial end of season West Hamway awards. X also gives us the latest news before ending the show with questions from patrons of the West Hamway. Hello everyone, we hope you're all keeping well. Firstly, thanks to everyone that came to our first ever evening event at La Quinta's last night. Given the fact that we had to change the date, it was short notice, and all attention was on Prague last week, the turnout was fantastic. And uh, we got in late last night and we've been recording all day today, so we haven't had the chance to reply to a lot of the messages we've received, but everyone seemed really happy and they seemed to enjoy themselves. So hopefully this will be the first of many. Thanks for your support as always. Well, the demand to get Thomas Suchek back on the show after the win last week has been quite overwhelming. So we're delighted to say that he's here now to take some questions from X. So Thomas, thank you for coming on to the show, mate. It's a real pleasure to have you on after such uh, an incredible, such an incredible week. Um, uh, how do you feel about the win in Prague? 
I I feel so happy because uh, I I I spotted my main motivation during the game was not just to to uh, win the game for West Ham and the fans, but I was looking forward to speaking to you. And and I tell you why because uh, <laughs> you you have called me a passenger, right? You have called me a passenger, and you were right. Last week, I was a passenger on the plane with a fucking winner's red on my neck. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well done, mate. You know, as I, I have said, I do think your off-the-ball play is very important to the side. I do think you could perhaps contribute a bit more with the ball because, obviously, the most essential oh, thing about wow. the most essential thing about football is what you do with the ball. But I'm not going to take away how much you have done off the ball. I do think you're a vital part of the the winning team. So let, let's let's focus on the positives, Thomas. Come on, it's not this is not the time to to bear grudges and 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 be be harsh of each other let's just oh you'd like that wouldn't you that would suit you wouldn't it was it an honour to win to win the trophy in your home your home city of Prague what's this fucking stupid question that is what do you think (laughs) no no I hated every second of it I wish we were playing it in Belarus what a stupid question who writes these questions is it you You've been talking to Martin Allen recently. <laughs> you sound a lot like him, mate. But um, yeah, obviously it's a bit of a streaming question. I assume you did enjoy it, but I was hoping you could maybe elaborate on how much you did enjoy it. Well, I, I enjoyed it very much because I go I mean, I see my my friends and my family, and all of which hate you as well. They would like <laughs> to speak to you about the things you say about me. But uh, uh, it was fantastic to be there and uh, just have the opportunity to say, you know, best time I'm massive. I love you. This is for you. Best time that I'm friends. Uh, to say that in Prague. Is a uh, stuff of dreams. Eh? <laughs> Did you enjoy the victory parade as well? I noticed you got another on the... silly question. Another <laughs> silly question. I noticed you got. <laughs> I noticed you got on the mic a couple of times. Yes, I did. I, I wanted to uh, to thank the West Ham fans for all their support. Well, most of them anyway, not you, but most of them. And uh, I I really enjoyed it. I had uh, a glass of sherry on uh, on the top deck, and I just wanted to get the mic and say, I love you. I love you, West Ham fans. This is for you. We are massive. Come on. <laughs> I sound a bit like Harry Kane, sir, I know, but I was very drunk at the time, but I loved it. It was so good to see all the best time fans. <laughs> <laughs> how much because you made me laugh too much my voice is going to us how much how much potato salad have you eaten in celebration oh exactly. I've not stopped eating the potato salad I love potato salad it is so nice but you know I don't know in in England where they do potato salad but in uh, the Czech Republic we always uh, put a bit of spring onion and extra mayonnaise and cook potatoes a little bit differently I think to the way you do over there so I've been enjoying it lots and I brought some back over the plane and it's a bit warm and I get it out of my case but I am enjoying it very much uh. <laughs> uh, and finally after such an amazing week what are your plans for the summer? Uh, I don't know I mean I'm on cloud nine now I just want to focus on 
playing for West Ham, maybe winning another Hammer of the Year award because I'm so shit, aren't I, X? And uh, <laughs> celebrate being a champion and just uh, playing for you, the West Ham fans, and uh, the fucking massive. Uh, I just uh, stay happy. And maybe it gets a holiday, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to listening to you telling me what players I'm potentially going to play alongside. So it's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Thomas. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your contributions this year. I think you know the support I and the West Ham fans have given you throughout the years been uh, been paid back now with a trophy. So um, yeah, we'll speak to you soon and take care, mate, and enjoy the summer. Yeah, bollocks to you. <laughs> well, that was nice to have Tom back. Like I say, overwhelming demand to have him on the show. He's now a friend of the show, I'd say, mm. because he's been on quite a lot. Um, but that now brings us to the official, unofficial West Ham Way end of season awards, where we discuss the categories with respective options. And next week, we'll reveal the winners of those categories as voted for by patrons. So, X, give us the first one. Well, what I'm going to say before we start is that it's up to the fans as well. If they want to, they've got a couple of days to maybe throw in another award that perhaps. I haven't, I haven't thought of, and if I like it with decent options, I can put that in there as well. And if there's any maybe options that you think to some of the categories I have picked and picked, sorry, that I have missed, um, then please do say on Patreon underneath the post for the podcast when we do it, because they can be amended, and then in a couple of days we'll actually put out the polls, and then we'll discuss the results um, next week. So the first one I've done is a fairly obvious one, and one that I think we probably know the answer to anyway. But we always do it just in case there is any. Discrepancies between us and the the main award uh, that the club gives out, and that is Player of the Year. Um, I mean, I, I, obviously the whole team are potential options, but players I thought might be in the running: Zuma, Pakitar, Antonio, Rice, Ben Rama, and Bowen. When I put those as the options, there might be a few others, Aguero possibly that could get a few votes here and there. Um, but they're the main options for Player of the Year, and I, I think we're all pretty certain who will win that award. I think I think so I think so but you know I think a special message to Jared Bowen because I think he does a lot of work that sometimes goes unnoticed I think given the style of Moyes' play he's expected to sit deep more than he would like to be sitting deep which means that he's got to put a heavy shift in um, and sometimes takes him away from all the good stuff that we love seeing him do uh, and I think it's been a difficult one for him this season but I think when we've needed him, he's come up trumps and uh, I think he's just going to go from strength to strength. So he's a special mention. And I think uh, Paqueta is as well, because I think mm. he's really coming of age now. If you look back at Arsenal when they signed Thierry Henry, it looked like they'd signed the biggest load of shit that they'd ever mm. signed for the first six months. I mean, he never even turned up. But look what he became in the Premier League and, and an icon of football. And with Lucas, he really has found his feet recently. And um, I'll make a call now that next season... I think he'll win Hammer of the Year, uh, Lucas. That's my gut feel because I think he's he's got used to English football now. He's found his feet. He's 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 embedded with his teammates, and he's got the uh, the experience and the euphoria of winning that cup competition and that togetherness of winning that cup competition. Um, and I think it'll, it'll be brilliant for us next season. But of course, it's not going to be this year, in my opinion. It's going to go to Declan Rice, and the fairy tale ending really was just the uh, cherry on the cake. And he is Mister Mister Consistent. 
Mm. Um, and he's always available as well. That That's something that, that's really important to know, is that you can have key players that are outstanding but might pick up injuries for two or three weeks. Declan is in such amazing physical shape and he's so professional with his attitude towards the game that he's always available, always available. Um, he's done a good job as, as captain this season, even though at times it's been questioned that he shouldn't be because his future's elsewhere. Um, but you look at his actual play and I think he's been phenomenal so it has to go to deck for me and I'd be very surprised if you disagree yeah I think the um, award, the awards if, if fans are honest will replicate what it did with the main awards and that'll be Rice to come first and Ben Roberts to come second but it'll be interesting for third place because I think Bowen as you said and, and Packeter particularly towards the end of the season even maybe Antonio really hit form and that was enabled us to maintain our Premier League status and also challenge for um, and win the Europa um, Conference League so I think they'll, it'll be interesting to see who gets third place out of them and to make the awards interesting I've broken them down into positions now so you can vote for your best goalkeeper best defender best midfielder best forward and obviously there's only two contenders for best goalkeeper because only two goalkeepers have played and that's uh, Fabianski and Ariola. now it's an interesting one this because obviously Fabianski was the Premier League goalkeeper um had some good games in my in my head there was a few times he could have saved goals that went in um, so interesting season for him and Ariola. you know a couple of times he made mistakes when he was called upon but then he's been a part of a, a team that won our first trophy for um, 43 years so it's going to be interesting to see who gets voted best goalkeeper out of those two who, who would you go for? Well I can understand why you see that as a bit of a conundrum but when I break it down I think you know, Fabianski, again, is someone, like a lot of goalkeepers, has the odd ricket in him. But I actually don't think Fabianski gets the credit he, he deserves because there are certain games where I think he's played really well and it doesn't really get that much of a mention. But if he has a game where maybe, oh, he could have done better at the near post there or whatever, it's, it's highlighted. And of course, you know, he's been the mainstay in a season where we finished 14th, which isn't great. Um, but then again, with Ariola. You know, I think, again, without wanting to kind of put a bit, a bit of a dampener on things, how much has he actually had to do in this European competition, given the kind of dominance that we've had in the the, uh, the opposition that we've played? Uh, and obviously then it comes down to the final. But I, I think as close as it is, for the reasons you've mentioned, I think I'm going to go with Fabianski, you know. Mm, I think I probably would just I st- as I say I'm still not convinced Fabianski is the best that we could get as a goalkeeper now don't get me wrong I'm happy he's staying for another year if it was to swap round um, uh, Ariola becomes first choice and Fabianski becomes backup choice which I think it may well do I'd be happy with that I think Fabianski is a solid Premier League goalkeeper but I think if you're looking to go for a top six finish I'm not sure if he's consistently like good enough um, with certain types of goals that he concedes to be a top six goalkeeper so I'm happy for him to be at West Ham I like him I think he just about wins this award for me out of the two of them but I actually for next season would would, would swap them around so that Ariola becomes first choice and then it'll be interesting to see how Ariola performs with a consistent run of games because don't forget the last time he had a consistent run of games was before he was at West Ham because obviously he's been backup keeper two years in a row and 
And last time he was that, he was on loan at Fulham and he got their player of the year. So I would like to see what he can do if he becomes a consistent first team goalkeeper. Bearing in mind, you know, he's played for France, Paris Saint-Germain and Real Madrid. You know, he's, he's obviously got credentials to be able to do that. So I think for me, next, whilst I would vote for Fabianski in this next season, I would, I would swap the two's role within the squad. Oh, I agree with that, by the way. And I think Fabianski would be comfortable with that. Whilst I'm sure he'd want to play week in, week out for West Ham, I think he would understand. And I think also, if you're Ariola, I think there would be big question marks raised if he didn't get that shot next season because mm. he's signed for the club to ultimately be a cup goalkeeper. Now, I don't know how much of an ego he's got, but if I was him, I'd be like, look at where I've been and I've just signed for this football club. I don't want to sit on the bench and play just in the League Cup or... You know the 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 uh, the conference league. I want to play week in week out because that's 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 how much I'm backing myself. So I, I'd be concerned if I was him if he wasn't number one next season. And given the fact that Fabianski's you know touching forty now, and Ariola's quite a bit younger, and then you've got the uh, the communication dynamic as well because obviously you've got Aguerd and Zuma sitting in front of Ariola. Uh, I mm. think it just makes sense, really, to, mm. to swap those two over. So hopefully mm. they do. I'd like to see him get a regular run out. Yeah, definitely. So then we move on to best defender. And I was thinking about this, and this is, I think this is quite close as well, because you've got, obviously, Zuma, Aguerd, Ogbonna I put in there, but obviously I don't think he'll get that many votes. Sh- uh, Shafal, Kerra, Cresswell, Emerson. And I think it's quite, I think it's quite close to that, particularly between Zuma and Aguerd. And arguably you can say Shafal because once he came into form again, uh, towards the end of the season, our fortunes turned. I mean, Emerson and Cresswell have both been solid at left back this season. So I think that's going to be quite close. I think if I had to choose between Zuma and Aguerd, and I think, Aguerd would just edge it for me out of the two. Yeah, it's been a challenging season for the defenders, I think, because you, you've got fullbacks that have underperformed at different times. Then you had Aguerd, who had that injury. And then, you know, Zuma's had his, his challenges as well, as we all know. Um, and it, it collectively, as a defence, it, it hasn't been the best of seasons for them. Um, it, it's interesting because Zuma, I think, has been sort of quietly consistent at West Ham without anyone necessarily raving about him. But with Aguerd, there's been sort of horrific moments, not many of them, by the way, but some horrific moments, but then some absolutely outstanding moments where you look at him and you think, we've got one hell of a player. I mean, some of the tackles he's made and some of the pace that he's shown. Uh, and at times, some of the leadership that he's shown, by the way, I think that's a potential call for for him to be a captain because he's now settled in really well. He seems quite vocal. He seems quite organised and and uh, he seems to communicate with his team very well. So I think I think I would give it to Aguerd, I think. Yeah, me too. Um, then best midfielder. So I've kind of broken this down into sort of more like because you can argue that Bowen and Ben Rahm are in midfielders because they're obviously wingers, but I put those as forwards. So these are your sort of more central players and maybe slightly less attacking um, uh, midfielders. So I've gone for um, best midfielder, and that is either Piquetta, Rice, Suchek, Fornells, Lanzini, or Downs. I think obviously you can write out Lanzini from that because he's barely played. You can take out Flynn Downs whilst it's been an impressive first season for him. And I think he'll potentially grow um, as, the, as the years go by. I don't think he's done enough to be in contention. Same, unfortunately, for Fornells. Um, he's had key moments, obviously. 
obviously Bournemouth, that goal, and obviously the out. My goal as well, she's had some key moments, but not enough of them throughout the season. Suchek, I don't think, has performed um, that well this season. And then it goes down to Rice and Pakistan. I think if Rice wins player of the season, then he can't really not no. win midfielder either. No, yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. And um, I'd also say Deck. Mm. Yeah, so this one's this is probably the, the hardest one. I think when you throw in Bowen, Ben Rama, and Antonio into the same award, so I've gone for best forward, and the options are Antonio, Scamacca, Ings, Bowen, Ben Rama, and Mbama. I don't know what you think. Oh yeah, that is a tough one actually because it's it's one of them where. You know, for for pockets of this season, Ben Rama was mentioned as a potential hammer of the year. Yeah. But it's the story of Sai Ben Rama with inconsistency. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. And I think, you know, a lot's been said recently about David Moyes and his relationship with Ben Rama actually isn't as bad as we all thought. He just gets frustrated with him because he knows he can do so much more. And I, and I do understand that. And that is the problem. I mean, you know, it, it could, you know... If he had consistency, he could be a well-beater, Ben Rama. He really could. Mm. But we just don't see enough of that. And for that reason, there is always the question mark. If you look at it, you know, going into that final, we had that conversation next, didn't we? Who starts on that left wing? Is mm. it Ben Rama? Is it Fornells? Well, you, you don't have that dilemma with Jarrah Bowen, for example. No. no. Um, so I, I think because of the inconsistency, I think I'd rule him out. I think Antonio dropped off at times this season when we really needed him, but then showed form again when we really needed him. Uh, Skamaka, I, I, you know, I think he's a good player, Skamaka. I really do. I just don't think he's for West Ham, unfortunately, so I'm going to rule him out. Um, Mubama, really excited about him. I think he's got a future. I really do. Love the fact that he's won more medals than Harry Kane as well. I think that's incredible. <laughs> um, but uh, do you know what? I'm a, I'm a massive fanboy of, of Jared Bowen, and I think I'm going to give it to him. See, that's interesting because when you when we talked about Hammer of the Year, not just today, but in the past, you always said um, Rice and then Ben Rama. Yes, so now so so you're putting Bowen above Ben Rama. I am. And it's purely because of the inconsistency of it, really. You know, I, I think with Ben Rama, you're either getting a nine or a six, but with Jared, you're either getting a seven or an eight. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and even if going forward, Jared isn't having the best of games. At the very least, he'll give this club 110%. He's a workhorse, absolute workhorse. And I think that deserves some recognition. So I think as we now end the season, and I reflect on it now collectively with all of those games and consistency and inconsistency and big performances, big games, big goals, I think I would, uh, I'd edge towards Jared. Yeah, and I think when the actual Hammer of the Year award was, was done, we hadn't won... Um, in Fiorentina. Now, obviously, Jared Bowen has scored the most iconic goal in West Ham's history for many a year now. You know, the last one, you know, it's probably as, it's probably as important as Trevor Brookings' header in the 1980 Cup final, because that was the mm. last time we won something. So, when the official awards weren't done, Bowen hadn't done that. And I think if you put... I know Ben Rama actually scored the final as well, which yeah. obviously yeah. Yeah, people are overlooking, but it was, it was a penalty, so it's slightly more expected, I guess. But, it, it, um, yeah, but Bowen won that penalty as well. So Bowen won that penalty by the pressure. And, and I think in the final, you know, 
of all the players that you wanted, one on one with the keeper like that, he was that person. I, I wonder if it was Ben Rama or Antonio or anyone really that was one on one with the keeper, whether they would have scored in that high pressured moment like it was. So I think I think you're right. I, I'm very torn between him and Ben Rama because I voted for Ben Rama as a runner up in Hammer of the Year. So I am very torn between the two. But I think when you take into account the magnitude of the goal he scored, then I think, yeah, probably just edges it over, doesn't he? Um, and, so and also that, his, his versatility as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he scored that goal against Fiorentina as a striker. He was playing as a striker in that given moment because he'd switched Ventonio on the wing. So mm. he can play as a winger. He can play as a striker. I mean, he could even play as a right wing back because he's that industrious. And he, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just think collectively, I'm a big Bowen fan. I don't think it's been his best season, but I do think he's been, when you look at all aspects of his game um, over the course of last season, I think it has to go to him. I wonder if you could play him as a like a number ten, you know, if you had like if, like say Rice does leave and you you put maybe Packetter and Suchek or whoever as the central two, and then you brought a, a right winger or you or Max Cornet came in there and did really well or Ben Rama goes to that flank, Cornet goes to the other flank. Whether you could actually play Bowen as a central number ten because you think of him if you had maybe Scamacher up top, you know, trying to hold the ball up, be a physical presence, and then the ball breaking down and Bowen bursting through central midfield like he did against them, Fiorentina. There's potential there for another position that he could fulfil, maybe. Yeah. I, well, who knows? I don't know. I mean, I know he's someone that likes to cut in, doesn't he? But, mm. you know, there is a potential for that. Definitely like the dynamic of maybe even going two up top. How often we'd see that, I don't know. But, yeah, him working with someone like Skamaka, I can see that I can see that working really well, actually, yeah. As, yeah. as one of the two up front. And, Moy- um, and Moyes, if Antonio does go, Moyes loves to stick a winger as the striker, as he has yeah. done with Bowen in the past anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see what happens with that. Um, this award, surprisingly, was really, really hard. And I've actually taken out a couple of goals that I thought could also be in there because there were so many. And this is best goal, uh, this award. Now, the, when you think about it, I look back, there's actually a lot of really good goals throughout the season. So I picked nine of them, but I am open to suggestions if there's a few that I've missed out. So the first one is four hours against Altmar. Obviously, again, the, the magnitude and the importance of that goal and, you know, the way he nutmegged that defender and then came through and calmly slotted it. And then you got four downs against Bournemouth, the kind of scorpion overhead kick thing. That, um, uh, that was an amazing finish. Then you got Rice against Gent. Um, you know, when he took on the whole team practically from his own half and finished it, that was a great goal. Paqueta against, uh, Paqueta against Liverpool, that was a great finish after a nice, uh, interchange. Then you got Antonio in Larnaca. Obviously, I struggle to remember this a little bit due to my alcoholic state, but I have seen, <laughs> I have seen a few replays of it. That, that was outside the area. Nice finish. Bowen against Viborg. He hit that from outside the area, bottom corner. Scamaca against Wolves. One touch and then kind of sort of, half volley uh, from outside the area into the, the corner against them. Um, Bowen in the final against Fiorentina. Obviously, uh, in terms of technical, it wasn't the greatest goal because it keep in touch, but the magnitude and the importance of it was, was huge. And then Bowen at home against Larnaca where he had that header 
where he, do you remember he sort of managed to flick it into the top corner from quite a long way out and that, that's nine goals that are all worthy contenders so I think this could be arguably the closest award out, out of the out of the lot of them and there were there were other goals that I didn't even include in that I thought oh yeah that's a good one as well I mean that's the nine I could think of yeah, I'll tell you what, there are some great goals there. And it's what's always difficult um, is when you're you're trying to get the balance between magnitude and importance of goal and quality of goal. Because if you're going on magnitude, it has to be Bowen in the final. But, you, you, I mean, it was a great ball from Paqueta. He still had it all to do and a great finish. But in terms of actual quality of goal, it it it, it wasn't really up there with most of the ones you've mentioned, I think. Um, but then, I don't know. I mean, there's one goal that screams out at me, and I think it's going to be my choice because I think I run the risk of overthinking it when you look at trying to get that right balance. I'm just going to go for the goal that I think was the best goal, and that was Declan against Gimp. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's the same. That's the one that I was, I was going to go with as well. I mean, it's, mm. it's tough because I think... I mean, four downs against Bournemouth, you know, it's so unique. Those sort of goals don't happen very often. When you watch back Scamacher's goal against Wolves, as I did when I was putting these together, that is a really good goal as well. I like the touch and the finish. I, I like that one. Packers against Liverpool is very good as well, but I think you're right. Yeah. I think I think Rice has to be him just because of the length of the, the run and the way he was weaving in and out and then the, the calmness of the finish. So I think, I mean, yeah, it does it does have to be him for me as well. Mm, yeah, I agree with that. And so this this award could have been like millions of options, and again, people can give me some more if they want. But the most frustrating thing of the season, so I've gone with VAR as as one. I've gone with new signings taking time to settle. Um, I've gone with Aguirre's injury. I've gone with the final um, ticket allocation uh, for for the. No, for the final against Fiorentina, I've gone for no official fan zone from the club as another. I've gone with selling Dawson as one, and I've gone with a negative, sort of negative tactics and style of football in the league. Yeah, you've thrown up some good ones there. Um, oh, God. I mean, as you're, as you're talking, I'm trying to answer it in my own mind. I mean, VAR, I mean, we all, we all know how I feel, how you feel, and how most people feel about VAR. Um, to a point where I don't think it's worth going over it intricately again because we we know it for what it is. It's uh, it's a game killer in my opinion. However, VAR has also gone in our favour at in times the fi- in the final a couple of times. Yeah, 
Um, so for that reason, I think I'm going to disregard it. New signings, not not fitting in straight away and taking time. Yeah, I can see why that's in there. But the fact that they eventually did show what they were signed for means that yeah. that's probably chalked off. Um, Aguero being injured was a massive frustration because we was all really excited to see him. But then on the flip side, it's not as if he broke his leg and his career was finished. He came back to West Ham and actually showed us again um, how good he is. Final ticket allocation, I think, was disgusting. I, I can't for the life of me still see why um, a competition of that magnitude was was held in a stadium like that with that allocation. I think it's it's absolutely piss poor. However, you know, we were two of the 5,000 that were there. So I'm frustrated for other fans. Of course I am. But at the same time, because I was there... I don't know. Um, and I think we, like, Ryan Archer um, from West Ham Fan TV was at our event yesterday. You, me and him having a discussion outside. I think he made a very good point. Obviously, it's only completely beneficial for those fans that were there. So both Dave and I appreciate yeah. that we are very, very lucky, as as was Ryan. But if you were there, because they took the trophy into the section that you know, we were all stood in. The actual closeness that you could get with those celebrations was only possible in a small stadium. You know, if we'd been in, like we were in Leon, when we were tucked right in that far corner and the players were mm. celebrating on the pitch, you couldn't get as involved with it up there. But so one of the benefits for those that could go was the size of that stadium, although obviously that doesn't help everyone else. No, no, it's true. And so it depends how I look at that one because I genuinely am devastated for West Ham fans that couldn't be there. But then at the same time, selfishly, the fact that I was there, it sort of dilutes the frustration a little bit, if that makes sense. I know it sounds incredibly selfish and I do feel gutted for West Ham fans. I really do. Um, but then you look at Craig Dawson, frustrating to a degree, but the, the you know the reasons why he left. So on both parties, it had to happen. So you just kind of wipe your mouth of that, I think. Do you know what, X? I'm going to be honest, and I'm only answering this for me, and we all answer individually. I, I think I think the style of play has been my biggest frustration. I really do. Because, um, you know, without going too deeply into it, and again, I've made my feelings very clear on this, you know, for the first time in a long time, I think we've got the players to play exciting, expansive football. I think we can play possession-based football. And at times this season, you know, we've been defensive and 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 implemented a counter-attacking style against teams that we should be dominating. And there's been games against Southampton and Bournemouth and Fulham. And ironically, we've won them. We've won the games. But it was it was piss-poor football with the possession rates being in the low 20s. And I think we're better than that. So And to have consistently seen that this season, amidst being thrown into a relegation battle because of it, albeit we turned it around at the end, for me, that was my biggest frustration. Because I, I, for a long time throughout the season, thought if we just had a, a different philosophy with these group of players, I think we could achieve so much more. So I think I think that would be my answer. Yeah, I do understand your point, definitely. Um, I do. Um, ultimately, as I've, I've said this show a few times, as if you'd said to me we'd finish 14th and win the Europa League conference, and we'll be playing a negative style, but that's what will happen. I would have said, okay, fine, I'll take it. So whilst it was frustrating at times, and there were games where I think we could have gone for it more and we probably would have had a more positive outcome, it hasn't ruined the season for me. Whereas, no, at, time, yeah, whereas at times, VAR has 
and I think like it's caused me so much frustration. You know, you look back to that Chelsea game right at the start of the season, only like the what the third or fourth game or whatever it was, and that corner yeah. goal getting chalked out that could have changed our whole season if we'd got a decent result coming back last minute of extra time or whatever it was and got a draw against Chelsea we, we could have picked up our league for much quicker and it, it seemed to happen time and time and time and time again where you know we were getting mad dog and like literally holding him to, to court on it because of the fact that he you know works for the um the Football Association with referees because he was our only person that we could really voice our frustrations to. And so I, I think for me, VAR, it's the first time we've disagreed at this award, but I think VAR wins that for me on on most frustrating thing. And I know it's something that we say every year, but that's because every year it's a, it's a frustration. So I think that, that, that wins it for me. Yeah, and look, it's it's a difficult one, this, because obviously, you know, I'm talking about a negative style of play on the back of becoming European champions, which sounds mental, like mental. But again, you know, you're talking about the the opposition that we faced in that European competition. Uh, and, you know, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong, who the fuck cares? But in that final, what again, wasn't the greatest of performances, but we've won it. Um, and you look at domestically in the Premier League, I just found myself... I don't know, I'm just getting so frustrated with it because I just thought we were underperforming with with players that could have been doing so much better. And I just hope, of all hopes, that a big part of that was the fact that it was transitional and the fact that we've all enjoyed this experience together now, winning the trophy, and it's a bit more time for the boys to to, to spend together. Going into next season, we'll be more of a false and maybe Moyes will be a little bit more confident to have a, another crack at playing a more exciting style of play. I hope so because, like I say, we've got the players to do it. But, you know, when you look at the course of a long season, I felt frustration more often with David Moyes' philosophy of play than I did in smaller doses with the other options I had. And that's the reason I've gone with that. Not mm. because we've just become European champions. It's because I felt that frustration more so in the run-up to becoming European champions, if that makes sense. Okay, fair enough. Um, so this is Young Player of the Year. And this, uh, this was a really tricky one to pick because obviously the under-18s had a phenomenal season and you could have gone through and listed every single one of them as a potential you know, candidate. I mean, there was a few that I was really taught about throwing in there, like George Urfi, um uh, uh, Lewis Orford, Ryan Barcham, uh, uh, Callum Marshall, you know, people like that, Patrick Kelly. I was really taught about throwing them in. But then I thought, it's really tricky because if you put them in with players that have played in the first team, then you're making them not look like they've had a great season just because a few players played a bit more for the first team. So I actually tried to be tactical on who I picked. And these players have genuinely played for the first team on occasions or been on the bench as opposed to maybe some of those players for the under-18s that had a brilliant, brilliant season. Um, so that was a difficult one to pick. So I will add players to this award if people want me to, but the ones I've gone with are Dan Potts, who we haven't seen much of this season, but obviously he's been on the bench a few times on the bench in Europe and um, has done well for the under-21s. Joseph Anang, again, hard to judge because people haven't really seen him play, but he's been pretty much a stalwart as a third-choice keeper since he came back from Derby, um, since his injury. Divine Mabama, who has played fleetingly for the first team and obviously scored um, a goal for us this season and scored 
uh, contributed significantly to that goal against Derby that was given us an own go in the end, but he he um, he has contributed to the first team. Oliver Skulls scored in Europe for us and was man of the match in that European game in Romania. Um, so again, uh, he he's one that um, you have to consider. I just I just confused myself because my barber also had a chance in that game, didn't he? That was given us an own goal. Um, so I think there's he's, he's been involved in quite a few mo- uh, moments in the first team. Kalen Casey, he's been a brilliant sense back for the under 18s and has also been on the um, bench a couple of times for the first team and he played well in that Bucharest game uh, too and then Gideon Kadua who I put in and he hasn't um, been that con- he hasn't really contributed to the first team but obviously he was captain of the under 18s and scored that great goal in um the under twenty under eighteen final, and actually, when you think of great goals, maybe just to, I should throw that goal into goal of the season as well as a tenth mm-hmm. one because that was a brilliant goal, and I'm actually going to do that um, for to benefit him. That I'm going to put Kadua versus Arsenal um, under eighteens as another potential um, goal of the season. Um, but yeah, so that they're the options for young player. Yeah, I, I, I listen. Uh, what an exciting time it is for our young players. And, uh, you know, I, the fact that they've absolutely smashed it and then we've become European champions. As a football club, this is such a, a buzz for everyone at the moment. <clears throat> and it's a really exciting time to see some of these boys come through. But I've got to give it to Mabama. I have, because, you know, when I've seen him and he gets his first team opportunities, I think he leads the line really well. I think he's got good movement. I think we both agreed on that when he played uh, at Brentford, actually. He was quite impressed with his little time there on the pitch. Uh, he's strong. And do you know what impresses me about him? We often talk about the the psychology of football and how important it is to, to be psychologically um, good as well as you are in terms of ability and he seems to have that for me he seems really really composed and it doesn't seem to matter what game you throw him into he never looks flustered he's always got a smile on his face and he always looks like he's enjoying his football and wants to take his chances so I think he's a really really exciting player this kid I really do to a point where I think he genuinely should be in contention um, for a, a, a regular um, squad player option so you talk about, I don't know, I don't know what the future holds for some of our players up front, but I would like to see him more next season, give him more opportunities and not just in the cup games, you know, test test him out at Premier League level here and then. If you're, if you're 2-0 up or 3-1 up or whatever it may be, give him 20 minutes and see what he can do. I'd like to see him really get more chances at West Ham because I, I see a lot in him and I think he could be a, a good option for us. So I think the fact that, I'm saying what I'm saying about him shows that he's shown me enough to be the standout for me. So I'm going to go with Divin. Yeah, I think the same. I think every time he's came on, he's looked a threat. I like his attitude. He seems a really good lad. It's actually funny. I know a lot of the under-18s. I know a lot of their parents. I met a lot of them because I went to the Ipswich game and the Arsenal game. I met up with with a, a lot of the parents before and I've been in contact with them just whilst their kids have been on the, the journey that they have. He's actually one of the ones I don't no, I haven't had any contact with him. I don't know anything about. But the interviews you see, he really seems to come across. 
across as a real top lad, but like a really good fella. And he, I like his work ethic. He always seems to run around and put himself about and make himself a nuisance. And, you know, how technically gifted he is, I don't know. We'll find that out over over coming seasons. But even just on work ethic alone, I think he's got potential. And I think so many of those under-18s have, which is what's so exciting. You know, when, I, when you think of how well Oliver Skiles played against um, the, the Bucharest uh, the t- FC FB or whatever their names were um, and, uh, and then you see how well Caelan K- uh, Casey's done this season George Urphy's looked amazing in every game I've seen Lewis Orford has been a consistent of that under 18s team who played for England and, 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 and is a year below um, the other lads that are in that team, same as, same as Ryan Bartram, who I thought was one of the best players against Arsenal, and again a year below the others. So and Gideon on the left, you know, Callum kind of Marshall. The, the, the list is endless, um, and I think that under 18s team has so much potential. I don't honestly recall a West Ham academy side having that many players that could potentially go on to either play for West Ham or certainly have a top-class career. Because you look at that starting eleven um, that played against Arsenal in the cup final, and you could argue that maybe eight of them have a very strong chance of making it at West Ham. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, it would never be that much through you know, circumstances, injuries and players being ahead of them and all sorts, it'll never ever be eight. But if eight have the potential to do it, if you take four or five of them that actually do do it from that group, that's huge for West Ham. You know, if we get five Premier League quality players out of that group, it'd be unbelievable. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it's just so nice to see the academy alive and well because we, mm. we went for a real period, didn't we, of... Uh, of having a bit of a lull, really, and then mm. there would be the odd player coming through. But now you're talking of those numbers. It's just, um, it's just brilliant. It bodes well. And just kudos to everyone involved with the academy, whether it's scouting them, whether it's working with the families, whether it's developing the players. Uh, we, we seem to have a, a right good setup there and um, exciting, exciting mm. times, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, mate. This one's a bit more straightforward because there are only three choices, um, and that is best kit of the season. The home one, the claret one, we've obviously the blue and white sort of splashes, stripes, whatever you want to call it, on the arms. Um, the away one, which is the sort of darker navy colour one, or the third shirt, which is the um, white and um, with orange flames to symbolise the um, Thames Ironworks roots. Obviously, no, we re- really like that third kit, but we did win the cup in it. So mm. what's your favourite out of the three? I think I'd go with a home kit. Do you know what? I actually really like that home kit. And mm. it's one of them, it's, it's funny, you know, when I first saw it, I thought that looks more like a training top to me. Mm. But then I bought it and I wore it, and I see West Ham playing it, and I see West Ham fans wear it. And I, I, very quickly, I thought, you know what? I think that's really smart. So I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, I think the home shirt for me. I do like the away shirt. I mean, I sort of describe it as navy. It's more black, isn't it, when I'm looking at it mm. now? But like, I'm not too sure on the bits on the end of the arm, though. That sort of splashy claret blue bit, I think, kind of makes yeah. it a bit spoiled. Um, the third shirt, I don't hate as much as everyone else seems to. Like, I quite like the sort of attempts to make it 
different to, to our normal kits and the flames and stuff. I think it's quite a quirky idea. But for me, that home shirt is based upon my second ever home shirt that I ever bought. So the first I ever got was a kind of blue BAC one of like, yeah. well, it must have been 1990, 1991. This was the second kit I got, the one with the stripes and reminds me of Frank McAvenny scoring that hatch against Nottingham Forest. So, yeah. so it reminds me of kids. I think for sentimental reasons, I'd probably put the first um, the home shirt first, and then I put the away shirt second, and the third shirt third. That'd be the order for me. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So on to best signing, and I think I've got every single signing here. I meant to check it, and then, well, then we've done our podcast now, and I haven't checked it. So if I've missed someone, let me know, and I'll add him. But best signing, I put Ariola in this because whilst I know he was there last year as well, we we did permanently sign him. So Ariola, Cornet, Emerson, Aguard, Kerra, Downs, Packeta, Skamaka, Ings. I don't think I've missed anyone. Uh, no, um, comfortable for me, uh, Packeter. Yeah. Do, right. do, do you know one thing that the, the only thing that irritates me about um, Packeter is do we call him Packeter or Paqueta? I know, it's is annoying. It, this is the bane of my life, this. this. I, mean, I think it is Packeter, but it's annoying because that follow, follow song um, has got Paqueta in our head now. And Paqueta sounds nicer to say, I think. Whereas Packeter doesn't sound as nice, but I think it is actually the correct way. Well, do you know what though? I, I now that this has sort of come to light, I don't know if the um, Brazilian Magnifico song is going to be disregarded, and we just go, "We've just sold my car to Lucas." Yeah, oh, God, mate, that song has <laughs> gone through my head. <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to put a number on it since Wednesday. <laughs> no, honestly, I know. it literally I know. doesn't stop. It's like a almost like becoming really annoying now. Like yeah. I, can't, I literally can't stop seeing it in my head. And every yeah. time I see my wife, I say to her to sell my car. She's like, "Stop it!" And I'm like, "I can't. <laughs> I literally can't help it. It's like it's like Tourette's something." <laughs> yeah. And do you know what I love about that song? Is it so out of context? Yeah, it doesn't make like, sense. Like, why would Why would Lucas uh, Pacatar? Buy a car off the general public second hand. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. on a shitload of money off you know everyone I mean? as well. Off everyone, <laughs> off everyone. <laughs> yeah. like, he's not just buying off one or two people. Like. Yeah, and, it, and it, the song says nothing about his ability. There's no. no emotional sort of backing in the song itself. It's just a transactional deal between you and Lucas Pacatar, where he's bought your second hand car. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's just so funny. I mean, we was talking, weren't we? In um, uh, in Prague, uh, to the cab driver, I think it was, um, who was from Czech Republic, and we was talking about some of the Czech players and that, and we said, you know, Ludo Miklosko is um, is a massive legend at West Ham. He said, oh, Ludo Miklosko, yeah, legend, legend. And I said, we've got a song about him, but it's quite funny because it says, you know, oi, big boy, what's your name? My name is Ludo Miklosko. I come from near Moscow. And obviously he doesn't come from anywhere near Moscow, does he? But no. because it rhymes, West Ham fans make it work. And I think that's a similar story with the with the Pakitar. Uh, yeah, it's li- it's literally because it, it rhymes. And that is that is literally the only reason <laughs> that it goes because it doesn't make any uh, any sense. And you do know there's an actual additional uh, like start of the the just sold my car. Yeah, and it, it goes something like. Oh, I've I've been driving in my car. It's not quite a Jaguar. Jaguar. I sold it on Harold Hill. Hill. Yeah, it's a fair banner from Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, sold my car. Yeah, Yeah, which I think with the actual 
that starting bit, I think it makes a little bit more. Of course, it doesn't make any sense because you wouldn't be in Harold Hill sending a card to a Brazilian, but it's just sort of, it yeah. almost adds a little bit more random yeah. context to it. It so, does. Does. so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a catchy song though you're right I've been singing it myself all the time yeah I mean anyway we are going to be discussing best chart of the season so we won't talk too much about that okay. chart but, um, but yeah I think it's going to be him for signing hasn't it I think the only ones maybe that could potentially rival it um, you know Downs bringing, bringing home a you know West Ham lad to the squad and you know Mark Noble going and bringing in someone that would love the club through and through you know whilst he hasn't contributed as much as obviously some of the other players potentially that could be that could be a big one I think Emerson played a massive role in the final um, mm. so there's maybe an argument for him um, I think Aguered potentially could be a brilliant player for us but yeah I think it has to be back so even though he's um price was a lot more than any of the other players in terms of contributions and um, where they could go from here. I think it has to be him, definitely. Uh, I this- mean, do you know what? Also, on that note, you talk about sort of big game moments and you talk about Jarabai maybe just, you know, sort of nicking the best forward this season because he, he scored the, the winner, which is the most iconic goal in, in recent history at West Ham. But I think that sometimes overshadows the assist. Because it was Lucas that played that ball through to Jared, and it was yeah. a great ball as well, by the way, beautifully yeah. weighted. Um, yeah. So we can't overlook the fact that it was Lucas that assisted that um, Conference League winning goal. Um, mm. And I think he's just got so much in his locker. And I honestly think he's going to go from strength to strength. He's had this setting down period this season. I think next season we're, uh, I think we're going to grow to adore him. I really do. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think I think it's exciting how much he can even improve from this season. Like if you think he was that good last year, how good he could be next season. So yeah, proper exciting. So this is an interesting one. So most missed. Now this is players that left last season. So I was torn whether to put Dawson in because obviously he left halfway through this one. Mazaraku kind of left at the start of the season so he was technically here and I think he left in the summer but like he was still technically here um, and he was on loan for a bit so he didn't go and then obviously it's been made permanent now um, so, so I was torn about a couple of people putting in this but I took, took those two out and then I thought about it and, and then I thought everyone's insignificant anyway because there's only one winner for this award so most <laughs> missed is the player that like has left at the end of last season that we missed the most and I put David Martin ironically I actually didn't think of him first so this is the order of the people I thought in my head I was like David Martin Ryan Fredericks Issa Diop um, Yarmolenko and I was like I'm sure there's someone else and I was like Mark Noble of course um, and then, <laughs> because he's still around and you know was in the celebrations and stuff you yeah. kind of forget a little bit but you know in terms of which player do we miss the most I, I don't think there's any other contender is there really no, I don't think so mate I don't think so no no and it's just it's so important that he's come back to West Ham now and um, you know I think we've said before that I'm sure that you know, our, our change of fortunes, if you like, was no coincidence in terms of the timing of him coming back. And uh, just a, a massive personality, um, was a massive player for West Ham, massive captain. So to not have him as part of the match day squad uh, was always going to hurt more than everyone else. So, yeah, it's got to go to Nobes. 
I think so. Um, this next award's a really tricky one because it was originally, when we first did this, it was originally um, known as the the worst player. And I, thought, I think that's just quite a harsh title to give someone and I don't feel comfortable with it. So I changed it to most frustrating player, um, but basically in brackets, like <laughs> worst player. Um, and uh, and uh, Actually, I think I've actually skipped one of the awards. Uh, remind me to do most improved player after this one, something. I've just got out of order. But most frustrating player, I've got with Suchek, Skamaka, Cornet, Ings, and Johnson as the options. Um, give them to me again, mate. Sorry. Um, Suchek, Skamaka, Cornet, Ings, and Johnson. Do you know what? I would have to say, and it's from no fault of his own, I think I'd have to say Cornet. Because it it got to a point where, you know, where, where was we? Was it was it Larnaca? What game was he when he come on? And the fans were singing, "We thought you were dead." Yeah, you know. And and, and I was really excited about that signing because I liked what I'd seen of him at Burnley, and I just I just felt it was so frustrating to not have him available. And and again, it's it's harsh because it's not his fault. No one no one deliberately becomes injured, but. Given his unavailability for West Ham, I think that frustrates me more than any of these other players. Even when you talk about the likes of Suchek, I mean, you know, I know it's been a constant head, stra- uh, head scratcher that he's been selected week in, week out, and his goals have dried up. But then the counter argument to that is again, he is someone that's always available. And we was praising Declan Rice for that. Um, he's someone that, when we've looked into it, um, his interceptions are, are right up there. And he's off the ball work is right up there. So sometimes I think that might get overlooked a little bit. So I, I don't know. Out of all those names, and you look at Skamaker as well. I mean, again, it's it's not his fault. I, I think it's it's he's just David Moyes don't fancy him. So I think whilst it also isn't his fault that Cornet's been injured all the time, I just think that's a real frustration because I think he would be played, whereas Skamaker wouldn't be. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Max on that. Yeah, I agree with what I agree with what you said there. Um, I I feel a bit more frustrated with Skamaka than I think that you said. Mainly again, <clears throat> not because it's necessarily his fault, but we signed yet another forward for big money that came with big high hopes. And yet again, that forward hasn't delivered to the standard we thought he would deliver. So I'm not necessarily sure it's his fault. But if I was to sort of sum the frustration up, no matter what the factor is, I think he is probably the one I'm most frustrated with. Yes, Cornet, because I was really excited about signing him, and obviously he's someone that played in the Premier League before, so it's not like he needed that initial period to adjust like some of the other signings. Um, So, yeah, I think he was a frustration, definitely. But the whole... The whole Skamaka thing does really frustrate me. And then obviously Suchek frustrates me, as I've said all season, um, how he doesn't impact games and was still being selected. But then the last few games, I've almost been able to look that aside because we've been winning. And then I look at the fact that he wins a lot of headers defensively and attacking-wise. And he does sort of create space for the rest of the midfielders to, to do their thing of kind of take him out. So I think for me, it might actually be Skamaka on that one. Really? Yeah, that's interesting because it is a frustrating situation, but at least you've, you've got a frustrating player 
that is still available to play. He would want to come on and, and make a difference and change that perception, but he just doesn't get given the chance. Whereas, whereas Max, you know, he, he's just been unavailable at times where we've really needed him. It's just, it's just really, really I mean, to me, to be fair though, mate, Scabbard has been unavailable for what three months. Well, now, yeah, tr- true. To be fair, now that is true. That is true. But even when he was available for every single week up until that point. You know, he just he just wasn't fancy, was he? You're right. Do you know what? It's funny, you know. It's almost like I forgot that he was injured because he just never gets picked. Uh, and I forgot that he was unavailable for that period of time. But I think I'd still go with Max on that. I do understand what you're saying about scams, but I think we found our second disagreement now. Okay. Um, most improved player. This is always a hard one to do because are you judging it on their former start of the season to the end? Are you doing it on last season to now? Are you doing it on the start of their career to now? It's a hard one to pick, but most improved player I went for either Ben Rama, Bowen, which seems really odd, but I think if you judge it on how he was at the start of the season to how he is now, as well as kind of thinking Antonio Chafal, Dresswell and Fabianski. But I mean, uh, there could be others thrown in. It's really hard to pick for that category. Well, it's hard because if you're basing most improved from last season, I don't think any of those players have improved from last season. So... Ben Rama, maybe. Ben Rama, yeah. Bowen, mm, yeah. I don't know, really. With, with Bowen, well. has, has, has Bowen improved that much since last season? I'm not sure. Cresswell, maybe, because people were slating him at the end of last year. And he came back. I, I mean, is it, does it have to be based on players from last season? No, not necessarily. It could be from any period of time. Because in which case, I would probably go with um, Packeter again. Because obviously he came in, and I, yeah. I think all of us were saying... You know, when is he going to kick on? When are we going to see this big money player? Like, he was amazing in Leon, and Mad Dog was talking about how he saw him play and loved him and what a player he was and Brazilian international. And the rest of us are waiting to see what all the fuss is about. And it took a long time to see it. But when we did see it, and then we started to consistently see it, his improvement between then and now has been massive. So I would probably say Lucas, to be honest. Okay, I've just added him to the um, list of players that we um that are on there. But yeah, if anyone wants to help with that one, that one was quite tricky to pick. That one, um, yeah. then I went for worst signing, which is a harsh award as well. But is is what it is. And it's basically all the signings. So mm. take a pick from them. Well, it's, it's got to be Skamaka, isn't it? It's got to be. You would think so. I mean, Danny Ings possibly. You know, bought fifteen million for him and. You know, he scored, what, three goals or something? Like, yeah, but him. then, well, yeah, but then again, you know, Skamaka was brought in to be our marquee signing, to be the new number nine, so that Antonio could basically have a have a bit of a breather and come on as maybe more of an impact sub. And and it, it, for some reason, and I don't know if it coincided with David Moyes trying to play a more expansive style of football, and then it didn't work out, so he's he's reverted back to a more defensive counter-attacking style, that it didn't work out for scams in that respect. Um, but with Danny Ings, to be honest, in fairness to him, I don't think he's been given a hell of a lot of opportunities, Danny Ings, and he has still scored a, a, a few goals. So I, I think with Scamacher, because of the amount of money we paid for him, because of the expectation levels that came with him, and because really he was a player that never should have been signed because he doesn't fit into the system, I think he ticks more boxes for being the, the, the worst signing than Danny Ings, in my opinion. What about, what about Cornet, though? You just ruled him out 
Um, yeah, yes, true, but I think the magnitude of the signing, so the amount of money that we paid Skamaka, and I don't know what his wages are, but that ain't going to be small change either. And and the frustration of it, it's never going to work with Skamaka under David Moyes. So what a waste of money, what a waste of time. Whereas Cornet really has just been unfortunate with injuries. But when he's available, I expect him to play and I expect him to do well in Moyes' system. So he could come good. But with Skamaka, I don't think he'll ever come good because he's a player that shouldn't be signed for the style of play that we play. Okay, fair enough. Greatest disappointment. Our league form, injuries to keep. Well, what was, do you agree oh, with that, by the way? Are you going um, with Skamaka? Yeah, I think I would do. Yeah, I think I would do. And I'm just looking at this greatest disappointment, actually. It's very similar to most frustrating thing. Um, but we'll go over it anyway. Greatest disappointment, league form, injuries to key players, cup loss on penalties to Blackburn, disallowed goal v Chelsea for Corday or the FA Cup um, against Man United. Uh, it's got to be league form. League form, it's it's just been shit, and it really fourteenth in the Premier League. You know, we're so much better than that, and that that disappointment is prolonged as well because it's a thirty eight game season. So you know you're feeling that for the vast majority of the season that disappointment. Whereas a lot of the other ones that are listed are sort of disappointment in the here and now at the time. So I think league position, and we're separating this from Europe, of course, but purely Premier League um, performances. And uh, results, I'd go with that. Yeah, okay. So most memorable match. I mean, I picked a few here, which I don't think will be contenders, but I just picked a few for diversity. So West Ham 2, Wolves nil. West Ham 3, Fulham 1. West Ham 4, Nottingham Forest nil. West Ham 2, Arsenal 2. Bournemouth nil. West Ham 4. West Ham 1, Manchester United nil. West Ham 3, Leeds 1. Alkman nil, West Ham one, West Ham two, Alkman one, Fiorentina one, West Ham two, um, FC, FB, I can't remember their names properly, but nil, West Ham three, Arsenal under 18s one, West Ham under 18s five. I don't think, I don't think most memorable is probably the right. The right word because most memorable is going to be Fiorentina, isn't it? Let's be honest. So I'm going to put, be, I'm going to put best team performance. It, it has Arsenal. to be the boys at Arsenal winning yeah. that cup final. It, it has to be if it's based on performance. It has to be mm, comfortably yeah. for me. Okay, how about if we take that one out and it's on first team? First team. Do you know it's funny again though, isn't it? Because uh, if you look at results versus performance. I mean, again, like Bournemouth away, at that time of the season, by the way, we needed to win that game. We needed to win it. And we smashed them 4-0. But again, our, our actual possessional play was was poor on the day. So I'm trying to kind of get the balance right in my head as to what were the actual standout performances as well as the result. And that's what's given me a bit of a challenge there. Have you got an answer for this? I've hit the Man United game. We won it 1-0 and... Hmm. And we played well. Arsenal, we played well as well. I think Arsenal was obviously yes. the start of us realising we could do this because we, we, were, we were better than what we were doing. Like we actually beat Man United when they were going for Champions League spot um, and then we were in a relegation zone. And, yeah, I think I think for me, if I had to pick best team performance, I mean, beating them, 1-0 was, was it. Do you know what? Interestingly, whilst this is very, very close for me, because I think you made a great point about Man United. 
I'm almost going to go for a draw over a win and say about Arsenal. Because if you look at Arsenal, we were yeah. steamrolling everyone at the time. The, the big thing for me was the character that we showed from being 2-0 down. And that, at the time, showed that those boys did have fight. They did have one. They did want to play for David Moyes. And to actually come back after an embarrassing start, because I thought that was going to be a cricket score that game, and to come back and, and show the, the quality and the determination that we did to come back against a top side and actually get a valuable draw that stood us in good stead, I think my best performance would be that. I feel, I feel it was massive, mate, massive, because I, we were, what, 2-0 down at half-time, where we, yeah. everyone was, like, slaughtering Moyes, slaughtering mm. him, and um, we then came back and got a draw and could have won that game, and I think it sort of shifted supporters' mentalities and the players to feel, well, actually, do you know what? Whilst it's only a draw, we've actually played really well here, so I do see your point on that, definitely. Mm. Yeah. I think so, but again, likewise, you know, to beat to beat Man United at any time is a is a massive is a massive result. So uh, it's interesting that one. Interesting. Yeah. See what the patrons say. Yeah, definitely. So two more. This is the penultimate one. Best chance. Um, number one, just sold my car. Number two, Brazilian Magnifico. Number three, Zuma and his cat. Um, European champions, we know what we are. Uh, Boeing's on fire. And, oh, Saeed Ben-Rama. Do you know what? I have to say, for, for different reasons, I think Boeing's on fire's got to get it. Because um, I, I think it's hilarious. I think... It's an absolute tune that it's based on. And when we play our events or they play it in the stadium or wherever the actual tune is played, whether it's in a boozer or wherever it may be, the fans all getting together. And when that music, you know, cuts off or, or then comes back on and then everyone's like, frightened. just the scenes behind that song. Do you know what I mean? The absolute scenes behind that song. Uh, and it's catches you like. I think I've got to go with that one, you know. And there are some good chants there, but I think it's got to be that one. Yeah, I mean, I think side Ben Rama's one is similar to how you describe it, Bowen. It's a tune, it's catchy, it's great when yeah. it all kicks off. But I think you're right. I think the Bowen one just ends it again because he scored the winner. I think it's significant that it's so important what he did. I think, yeah, that, that for me is the best one as well. Um, although the Packetar sold my car one is the one that's the most addictive. I just cannot yeah. get it out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I just, I don't know. There's something quite electric about the Boeing song. And and it's just at that point where it drops, everyone goes, da, 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 da. I sang special about it. I sang special about it. And I, I now just associate it with our time in Prague and, and everyone singing it and just the absolute scenes of it and, and the players singing it in the dressing room and on the parade. I just think that carries so much weight, that Boeing song, for different reasons. So I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, no worries. And then the last one, I was tempted to put some about a patron on our podcast, but I found it really hard to do like favourite podcast episode and yeah. favourite guests and stuff because we just do so many that it's hard to, to narrow it down and stuff. So I've, I just ended this with most exciting thing about next season. Well, so far I've only got four options, but they are being in the Europa League and all that that will bring um, new signings coming in um, the under 18s continued progression and then I put the, new, the current new signings having an extra year of like embedding and what they can then achieve yeah 
I mean, I'm excited about the new signings potentially, but at the same time worried that we get it right, uh, which overshadows the excitement somewhat. But for me, it's a no-brainer. It's got to be playing in Europe again next season. It's got to be that Europa League. I just cannot wait. There's no sort of worry or trepidation about being in Europe. It is just pure excitement. So for me, it has to be the Europa League. Can't wait. I agree. And as, as people that go to the away games, I can't wait to go to some bigger stadiums because whilst it's been exciting going to Cyprus, a country I've never been to, to Prague, you know, a city and a country I've never been to, it, um, it, it, it's not like significant football stadiums, not like when we went to Seville and we saw their stadium, although that was a death trap. It's still not a significant stadium. Lyon was a significant one. Frankfurt was. The Conference League has brought brilliant memories and I love winning it and it's so great. But Genk, Ghent, Alkmaar, um, even Adelaide, um, weren't stadiums that you're like, wow, this is like Silkborg, Viborg, you know, yeah. you're like, wow, these are amazing stadiums but were, um, and amazing cities. They're great fun and great places to go to, but I'm really looking forward to um, to going to some more uh, established uh, teams, grounds, I should say. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait, mate. Cannot wait. It's uh, It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be brilliant. Right, that concludes it, mate. Well done on that. And um, as we say, we're going to be putting this up on Patreon, the various categories. So if our patrons can vote for what they think and obviously, you know, put comments below as well because maybe we missed something, maybe you disagree, maybe you agree. Um, interact with us as always. And then on next week's show, we'll reveal the winners of the respective categories. Okay, it's time to hear from the main man. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.